You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. We've never experienced a year like 2020. A deadly pandemic, political division, social unrest, natural disasters. Yet, we're still here, and now so are the holidays. Hi, I'm John Doherty. May this holiday season bring you joy and peace. May 2021 be a better year for all of us. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy and Healthy New Year. Happy Holidays from IBEW Local 98. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children who want change. Be inspired by women from across the globe. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams? What I know to be true is that women were always meant to lead. And by shining a light on those doing it well today, my hope is that more women will be inspired to use their own voice. Now, here's the owner, founder, and host of Women to Watch, Sue Rocco. Good evening, everyone, and thanks so much for tuning in to another week of Women to Watch. My name is Sue Rocco, and it's great to be back. I hope everyone survived the Nor'easter this week. Um, we have a great show for you this evening with not only my special guest, but our watch team of on-air contributors will be with us. And a past guest will be checking in to let us know what she's been up to since she was last on the show. In just a moment, I'll be joined by Katie Fellinger. And Katie is a successful former meteorologist and now entrepreneur and author of My Happy Place, How I DIY'd My Own Bliss. Katie is truly an example of why none of us should settle for a career that does not bring us joy, and, and we're going to have a really great conversation. If you're new to the show and you'd like to learn more about our watch team of on-air contributors, please feel free to email Laura Scotty at laura at womentowatch.net, and that's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. And don't forget to sign up for our newsletter and download the podcast so you never miss a show. And you can do that by visiting us at womentowatch.net as well. 
So now I am very thrilled and excited to have with me on the show, again, former meteorologist for CBS, and now a public speaker, course and content creator, and the author of her very first book, My Happy Place, Katie Fallinger. Katie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Sue. It is really, it's such a thrill to be a part of this. So thank you for having me. Oh, I'm, I'm honored to have you with me. And, and you know what? Correct me, because I think I just pronounced your name two different ways, Fallinger <laughs> and Fallinger, and I apologize. Not a problem. I'm yeah. so used to it. It's that classic Pennsylvania Dutch. Uh, so it's Fallinger. But yeah, Fallinger. Right okay, time. good, good, good. And good. I'll answer to it. So it's okay. okay. I'm very used to it. <laughs> So listen, I, I'm excited to talk about your background and upbringing, and, and um, you've been very transparent and, and vocal about your story, obviously, a lot in your book. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I think it's always interesting to connect the dots between the young Katie and mm -hmm. your journey and the work that you're doing today. So you grew up in Allentown, PA. Um, you had one older brother, and you were raised by a single mom. And mm -hmm. so my first question for you was, in what way did your uh, your mom and and her life story teach you about independence? More than anything, she didn't say so much. It was more what she did that I saw her doing that taught me that lesson. Um, I was in a single parent household from the time I was, I think about one and a half years old. So I don't remember ever having uh, more than just my mom around. And all I saw her do through my entire childhood was work hard and unfortunately struggle quite a bit. Um, we had missed child support payments. We really struggled. We were food insecure for a majority of my childhood. It was a tough upbringing. I'm grateful I had it because I think it taught me an awful lot about acceptance and understanding, as you said, what independence is all about and strength and resilience. Uh, but it was definitely tough for us. Uh, so as I got older, as I was able to really understand the sacrifices my mom went through for us. It really, I think, shaped my perspective, especially now, as I look back on the journey that I so recently took on deciding what is important to you as an individual, making time for yourself as best as you can, um, and, and striving to find an existence that will make you the happiest version of yourself. And I, I'm not sure my mom ever had that chance, but it was something that I knew for myself that I really wanted to be able to create. Katie, have you ever thought about whether um, growing up in, in that kind of environment, how that affected your ambition, you know, your desire to not only mm -hmm. be independent, but by financially secure? Absolutely. You know, I I don't know that I ever really um, had the ambition to you know, strike it rich or like become a, you know a really really wealthy career woman or anything like that. I did want to be successful. Um, I do think that that upbringing had a huge influence on me. What I would actually say though, more so, is that I think it led me to have much more imposter syndrome. Um, I think that growing up without uh, not necessarily having the same opportunities as other kids did, actually just whether it was accurate or not in my own head made me feel 
as though I maybe didn't have as much to offer or that I didn't deserve to be where I got. And those kinds of ingrained messages that were either fed to me or that I just somehow decided on my own to believe that really, um, you know, I carried that for a very, very long time. And I actually believe that that to some degree is how I ended up in the slump that I found myself in just a few short years ago. You know, it's so, so common, isn't it? I mean, I think that imposter syndrome is something we talk about on the show mm -hmm. a lot. And I, I had two questions for you. Do you do you think that um, having used that, I, I think it's kind of a coping mechanism for, for women in particular. Um, do you recognize it in others now that you've kind of worked through it? I do. Yeah. Um, this is one of these things where I think so many women in particular feel desperately alone, that they're the only ones going through it. And what I learned after I wrote my book, I didn't see this until after I finally took the terrifying leap to let other people read it because that was also another <laughs> big struggle for me. I was really scared when I finally put this story out to the world. It was the most vulnerable thing I've ever done in my life. Right. Um, the immediate response from my launch team in particular, which was just about just under 200 people, most of them women, it was this response of, my gosh, I know exactly what you're going through. I know exactly how this feels. Um, and it's something that I unfortunately don't think we talk about anywhere near enough. Um, it's, it's so easy to just think that you're not doing things right, that you're in this all by yourself, that um, you know, that that nobody else understands what you must be going through. But I think part of the problem is that we just don't talk about it enough. And so that's what I love about this show is that you can bring that to the surface and others can relate to it so easily. And that was something I absolutely learned on this journey of putting a book out to the world too. Yeah, that takes it takes a lot of courage. And we're, you know, one of the things I'm so um, impressed by you for doing is having the courage to not only um, speak openly about insecurities, right, and self-doubt, mm -hmm. which is just a human, you know, it's just human to have that, but to really to, to walk away from a career um, yeah. as well. One of the other side effects, I think, of this imposter syndrome, which really is just, you know, us going out there with these big smiles and pretending every, you know, we really have it all together when we don't, is mm -hmm. this um, people pleasing, this this mm -hmm. desire to really not burden, I would say, people around us that we know and love. Talk a little bit about that and how you've managed to recognize it and, and um, overcome that as well. Yeah, people pleasing is absolutely one of my faults for sure. Um, because you're right, it's it's one of these things where you don't want to burden other people with your problems. That That is absolutely, and I actually think that's part of just the way my culture is. You know, Again, I'm a Pennsylvania Dutch girl, and this is how we Germans are. We just, yes. We, yes. we tend not to be very, very uh, emotional, at least not outwardly. Um, and um, yeah, I think that that definitely plays into the why I am, I guess, the way I am. And it's something that I do still struggle with. But recognizing it was a huge, huge struggle. Um, I went through probably about a year's worth of self-auditing. I never did see a therapist about anything that I did go through, but I did so much gut checking and so much just reflection inward, trying to understand that 
I knew that something was wrong with mm. my situation. I could right. not for the life of me figure out what that was. Um, and I know I'm getting a little off tangent here, but no, no, it's perfect. Out, yeah, but it is though. You know, part of part of figuring out the this whole issue I was going through was understanding who I really am, what makes me tick, what faults I have, how I can work around them, how I can best, uh, you know, work with them to still lead an unstressful life and a happy existence and get the things out of my life that I want. And yeah, unfortunately, one of those things was just constantly trying to make everybody else happy. If somebody else thought that I should do something, I would say, yeah, you know, you're right. Whether I actually wanted to do it or not, I would agree and accept it as truth. And um, now, nowadays, now that I know this about myself, it's so much easier to make firm decisions based on what it is I actually want to do or say or uh, impart. So it, it's a struggle for sure. There are many other faults that I would say that I have had to at least attempt to overcome. I'm not sure that I've overcome all of them, but I think knowing is absolutely beyond more than half the battle in all of this. And one of the biggest first steps you can make to finding what it is that's actually going to make you happy. Yeah, it's so true. It's it's such um, it's one of the most important lessons. And it's not I think when we're struggling with it, we somehow feel it's it's selfish to mm -hmm. to choose to choose what feels right to us. Um, if you're just joining us, I'm talking to Katie Fallinger, a former meteorologist for CBS, um, and now she's an author, and we're going to be talking about her book. I wonder if when, when you had this um, nagging feeling, I'll describe it, do you, do you think it was more your search for why am I here, right? That kind of what is my purpose, uh, or was it more about... I'm not feeling happy and I want to fix that because sometimes I think it, they're two different things. Absolutely agree with you. Um, I think that it was the latter and the curious thing for me. And I think part of the reason I was so stuck in my situation was that I was using a skill set that I absolutely loved, enjoyed and think really rocked it. <laughs> like it, it's, it's my wheelhouse to be in broadcasting in some way, shape or form. The problem was I was using that skill set in a way that was bringing me absolutely no joy whatsoever. The schedule was terrible. I never got enough sleep. I felt like I was missing out on my girls growing up, all of these things. And so I knew that there was this problem, but because it was really confusing since I was good at what I was doing. I didn't understand why that shouldn't make me happy because it right. was a real golden opportunity yes. to work in market four at the top level. Right. Uh, and and feel that way. It just felt selfish and I felt guilty. And um, all of those those feelings emerged when even though I knew in my heart and my gut that there was something wrong here, I still couldn't get over that hump of understanding that, you know what, it's OK if this isn't your dream life. It's somebody's dream life, but it wasn't mine. Right. And it took so much self-reflection to finally figure that out for myself. And I bet, too, it's difficult when you're someone notable that receives um, accolades and awards and, you know, recognition that mm -hmm. it makes you even more question. Why? Why am I not happy? Why isn't this working? Yeah, um, listen, we're going to go into our first break. Um, stay with us for our watch team and we will be back with Katie Fallinger. 
It's an understatement to say 2020 has been a year like no other. But if there is a silver lining in this moment, it's that we can look back and celebrate our resiliency, strength, acceptance, and solidarity in the face of so many challenges. As we look ahead to a new year, I'm focusing on gratitude, empathy, and the lessons learned that I want to bring with me into 2021. For Marketing Watch, I'm Lynn Falconio, wishing you and yours a safe and healthy holiday season. Now the women to watch, Legal Watch. This is Nicole Hittner at Ballard's Bar Law Firm for Legal Watch. Last week, I mentioned the swirl around whether or not companies can and should mandate COVID-19 vaccines for their employees now that vaccines are available, at least in limited quantities. There are so many questions surrounding this controversial topic and legal implications to employers no matter which side they come down on. I would love to talk to you all about this for an hour, but I have just a couple minutes, so please hop on to ballardsbar.com under alerts and publications and listen free now to our podcast episode devoted entirely to this topic. As a preview, there are limitations on the rights of employers to mandate a vaccine, and there are risks, including litigation, if employers don't mandate a vaccine. Just a couple days ago, the EEOC released guidance to try and clarify some of the confusion around employers' rights. For example, if an employee states that he or she is unable to get the vaccine due to a disability, but the employer can show that an unvaccinated employee would pose a direct threat due to significant harm to the health and safety of others, that employer can lawfully exclude the employee from working. The same goes for religious beliefs exemptions. Also, while employers are not allowed to give medical examinations to employees, seeking information about an individual's physical or mental impairments or health, pre-screening questions for administering a COVID vaccine and then actually administering that vaccine are not prohibited. They're allowed. There's so much more to come on the legal implications of this topic, and I'll keep you informed as the weeks go on during your Legal Watch from Nicole Hitner. Now, the Women to Watch, Military Watch. Hi. I'm Carol Eggert, Senior Vice President of Military Affairs at Comcast NBC Universal. We all know the holidays are an especially difficult time for our deployed service members, who are often in harm's way and far from friends and family. But this year, it's not only our service members. Because of COVID, all of us are in harm's way and separated from those we hold dear in our hearts. So I want to share with you a song my son wrote, recorded, and sent to me when I was in Iraq and he was in college. The words, vocals, and music softened that separation. And it's strange how now, 11 years later, it seems as if it were written for Christmas 2020. So here is Christmas in My Heart by Colin Eggert Crow. Well, the ground is wide stars are shining bright but something is missing tonight well it's Christmas time a season so supply but I can't feel the cheer knowing that you Yeah. 
1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. Welcome back. I'm having a wonderful conversation this evening with Katie Fallinger. Katie was a former meteorologist um, on multiple markets, or in multiple markets, I should say, and and now she's a public speaker, um, a content creator, and the author of her first book. Um, just before the break, Katie, we were really talking a lot about um, your recognition of something not being right in in what was a really successful career. And I wondered if you could share with the listeners the aha moment. Perhaps it's one of the aha moments you had when you learned um, a friend of yours had brain cancer. Mm-hmm. Actually, it was when I found out that she had passed. Um, okay. Yes. So dear friend of ours, I say ours, my husband and I and mine, uh, they were actually Penn Staters. My husband's a graduate of Penn State. And that's how I met uh, Kevin and Stephanie. Stephanie was her name. And I remember following about an 18 month journey with Stephanie. She put out a very public um, just I guess just following her journey going through brain cancer. And she was so brave and she fought so hard. And in October of 2018, Kevin, her husband, was the one posting on Facebook that Stephanie had passed away. And um, 
I, at the time, was just mindlessly scrolling through my Facebook feed, sitting on the couch, just another exhausted afternoon. I think my husband was away for work, and it was just me with my two girls sitting next to me, and they were watching a, a cartoon, and I'm just sitting there, scrolling through, exhausted, and all of a sudden, I just stopped dead in my tracks at this post that had this horrible news that Stephanie had passed away. And it was right then and there, that that very moment that I just started to realize that this isn't enough. What am I doing with myself? I can't live like this. Because Stephanie, understand me, fought, <laughs> she fought the bravest fight. She went through such a difficult journey, two different brain surgeries, chemotherapy, the works. But through it all, she still managed to march in the LA Women's March, to get out to school spirit day for her kids, to go to the movies, to go to restaurants, to go to the beach and, and uh, watch her son Ben learn how to surf. And then there was me who quite literally, Sue, I could not drag myself the hundred feet out to the girls sport to push them on the swings. I was so tired. Mm. And like it, it's making me well up thinking about it. I still have a hard time talking about her because it was such a defining moment for me that I I am not living I am not living <laughs> by doing what it is I'm doing. I am literally getting through each day, surviving, and that is not good enough because I have no idea how much time I'm going to have on this earth. And I sure as heck don't want to be wasting it exhausted all the time. And that's the, that was the biggest kick in the pants I could have possibly had was Stephanie, her legacy, her story, and, and the lessons that she passed on to me and so many other people. You know, it, it's so interesting to see it's it's a common theme that people that are facing the end of their life and know it are so wise about their choices, right? And what they mm -hmm. choose to do and how they live their life. Um, we really need to pay attention to that. And, and that's what you did. You know, I, I think it takes a lot of courage to leave a safe job and career and venture out into something brand new. And um, I'm wondering if there was, you know, up until that point, was there a recurring message that kept coming back to you prior to you making that decision? I think maybe not so much a recurring message, but eye on the prize. You know, um, I, I was able to plan my departure from my established career in such a way that I had a lot of time to strategize. Stephanie passed um, just a, just under a year before I officially called it a career in morning television. And so I used that entire time knowing that I had this goal of, and this sort of, I guess it was a pipe dream at the time. I had this daydream of what it was I wanted to do with myself. And I just had to take these baby steps and plan very, very strategically to get to that place. Because it's no joke leaving a 401k and a salaried job with bills to pay and mouths to feed and, and, and all of those things like that, that it was really, really scary. So I had to just keep reminding myself that the grass will be greener, the grass will be greener. 
and the grass absolutely still is greener, although it's covered in snow now. <laughs> <laughs> it's white today, but it's white today. But um, it, it really um, knowing what I was working for, I guess, would have been the message that I kept telling myself, like, there's there's more to life and you have to get to that point. And to do that, I had to work really hard and plan a lot. Right. Okay, let's talk about um, the book, because first of all, uh, and the book is called My Happy Place, How I DIY'd My Own Bliss. There were so many statements in the book, Katie, that rang true for me, um, you know, through my own journey of, of, of learning and figuring stuff out. And one was when you talked about the active shift and asked the question, what can I do that will bring me joy? I think that is such an a powerful question and a, and a great question that everyone should ask themselves. And, you know, when we're trying to help others, we should ask them as well. How did you discover that? Uh, I appreciate those words. Thank you so much. Um, I, I knew at that point, when I wrote that part of the book, at that point, I knew um, in my journey that I had figured out in my head, everything had to start in my head, certainly. And then I had to put things into physical action to make them happen. But by that point for the active shift, I realized that the actual day to day that I was living out may have been something I was really good at, but that it certainly was not making me happy. And so I just started asking myself all these different questions, you know, who are the people that I want to be surrounded by? Who are the people that make me my happiest? What are the places that make me happiest? What are the kinds of activities that I can do that'll make me the happiest? Like what lights a fire in me? And by asking myself all of those important questions, I was able to narrow down and cross off and eliminate and figure out different paths that I could take to still continue to do in effect the same kind of work but in a completely different mode that would allow me to get enough sleep allow me to take better care of myself allow me to love my process um and and wake up with no regrets every single day and what i was able to narrow down and figure out was no one ever accused me of being an underachiever i decided i wanted to write a book i decided i <laughs> want to create a course I wanted to break into public speaking, and I was able to do all of those things um, using the exact same skill set, but just doing it in a completely different way that allowed me to, you know, continue using those core wheelhouse skills that that I was still able to wake up and be happy and content with the choices I had made. Right. You know, I think a lot of people um, think that, you know, how am I going to earn a, you know, doing what you love, which we've been saying for, you know, a hundred years, do what you love. You'll never work a day in your life. Um, when people are kind of stuck, they don't think that they can find something that they'll allow them to earn a living if they're mm -hmm. doing what they love. So what would you say to those people, uh, those women in particular that are trying to figure that out? Yeah, this is a question I get all the time and I completely understand why. I think right. a lot of people have looked at my story and there's a lot of assumption that goes on that, well, you're in this big TV job, you were making all this money, you have a supportive spouse, like, of course, it was easy for you to do that. No, 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 it absolutely was not. It was terrifying and scary. And, and you know, there was a lot that went into it. And the what I would say is, again, goes back to, this is an eye on the prize situation. If you are 
unhappy, unsatisfied with your life. And at least at the moment, you can't make a job or a career change. Believe me, I was exactly in that place. And I actually think it's the best place to start, you know, knowing that I needed to change when I was roughly a year and change away from the end of my TV contract that allowed me to spend lots of time planning and strategizing. So my advice would be to keep at your current job, but start preparing in the background side hustle if you need to begin to plan how you're going to approach your finances these practical difficult questions need to come into play as soon as they as they possibly can and then you can reverse engineer your end goal and figure out what it'll take to achieve it uh, this is not easy by any means it'll take work it takes commitment and focus but it's nowhere near as overwhelming or out of reach when at least you have a roadmap to follow and you've figured out what your end goal actually is. Right. And I think you said something really um, critical in that you were thinking about the skills and the things that you do so well in that Mm -hmm. job. Um, You know, keep those at the forefront, but there's a lot of other places and a lot of other things you can do with those skills rather than that particular career. That is so true. I was in this for some reason. I had these blinders on that I thought, What else could a woman who's got bachelor degrees in communications and meteorology do but work as an on-air meteorologist? It was the most short-sighted thing, uh, and I have no idea why I thought that for so long. Mm -hmm. But I finally started to branch out. I finally started to just research a little bit and, and think about how else I could possibly use these skills. I have really good organization skills. I, I'm a, I've got a knack for this broadcast thing. Uh, so I knew that I wanted to use those skills somehow. And there's a bunch of others, but there's certain, I'm certainly not confined to having to wake up in the middle of the night and go on TV and deliver the weather. There's so much more I can do with those skills. Right. I, when you work extensively in television and radio, did that for you help to eliminate nerves when when presenting in front of an audience or um, do you you know ever still in in the things that you're doing today have those nervous moments very much so (laughs) for me for some reason I could always talk to a camera and never feel any nerves about it but talking or even over the radio if I was just in a quiet radio booth by myself that was never an issue even though I knew technically there were thousands of people that were potentially listening or watching it never bothered me but being in front of live people (laughs) that's completely different and it could be a group as small as 10 people but that always and even still makes me nervous although I do think that nerves are probably still a very good thing to have once in a while you just know how to have to know how to channel them the right way (laughs) exactly exactly listen we're going to go into our next break I'm speaking with Katie Fallinger, a former meteorologist and now a published author, um, content creator. And and we're going to be talking about some DIY projects um, later (laughs) in the show, too. I want to know what you're working on. Stay with us for our watch team. You're listening to Women to Watch. We'll be right back. This is Mary from Pathways Consulting Group, sending you big wishes this holiday season to continue to dream big, enjoy life, and find wonder in the world now and always. Now the Women to Watch, Finance Watch. Hi, this is Terry, and I'm from Fortis Family Office. Tis the season to be jolly. Unfortunately, tis also the season for scammers to go after your money. Here are some of the most common scams to be aware of. 
Always popular, phishing scams get even more prevalent before the holidays. They could be bogus delivery confirmation requests seeking your information or even a personalized letter to your child from Santa. Be extra careful when it comes to sharing personal information online or with an unverified requester. Sadly, scammers will capitalize on the goodwill that many people show this time of year by asking for a donation to a charity that doesn't actually exist. You can check out the organization on charitynavigator.org or call the charity on your own. Millions of packages are stolen from doorsteps each year. If possible, especially when ordering something expensive, arrange for a delivery that requires your signature. Otherwise, track your order so that you can bring it inside as quickly as possible after it's dropped off. Remember to check the website address before placing an order online. It may look similar to a popular site, but if one letter is off or missing completely, the site is bogus. Look for that important S after the HTTP in the web address to verify the site's security. Once the order link is clicked, you'll never hear from the site again. Worse yet, the information you shared may be used to empty your accounts. Beware of fake freebies. Posts that offer you a free iPhone, luxury items, music downloads, etc. are scams designed to lure you into sharing your information with criminals or unwittingly installing malware on your device. Ignore them. Then there are scammers who sell expired or empty gift cards this time of year. Ask to inspect any gift cards you purchase before you finalize the sale. Check to see if the activation code is exposed, and if it is, the scammer may have used the card already or has copied the information for later use. As always, stay alert and use caution to keep your money and your information safe as you enjoy the holiday season. Happy holidays, everybody. This is Terry. Peace out. If you believe that family, charity, or money is deeply important for the greater good, Fortis Wealth invites you to a highly personalized financial discovery process to help you visualize your financial legacy. It's not for everyone, but if you're willing to invest the time and thought, they can offer advice and strategies to help you accomplish your dreams. Fortis Advisors is a wholly owned subsidiary of Fortis Wealth, an investment advisor registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Visit Fortis-Wealth.com today because tomorrow is waiting. Now, the Women to Watch, Nonprofit Watch. Good evening, Women to Watch listeners. I'm Dr. Nakia Owens, Managing Director of Financial Empowerment at the United Way of Greater Philadelphia in Southern New Jersey. As many of you are well aware, the unexpected can happen to any of us. And we know this more closely due to the COVID pandemic and how over 150 million Americans were faced with filing for unemployment, and now over 8 million are faced with living in poverty. A disruption in income has the propensity to cause the greatest impact and disruption in a person's life, especially when caring for children. As a result of generous donors, United Way invests in a family empowerment initiative designed to support families throughout the Philadelphia region who find themselves at risk of becoming homeless or might be homeless already. This initiative supports the whole family so parents are able to find or acquire greater employment and the children can remain in the same school in supporting their academic success. This initiative is not based solely on income, but looks at the entire family situation and what is needed to support the family in maintaining housing stability. There are case managers willing and ready to support the family with their goals, but not dictate those goals. If you know a family in the Philadelphia area who has been adversely impacted 
or is at risk of homelessness due to a job loss, please have them reach out to United Way's helpline by calling 211 or they can reach out to United Way's partner directly, Yousef, at www.uesfacts.org. And until next time, I'm Dr. Owens, your nonprofit watch. Now, more of Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Hi, Sue Rocco here with an update from one of our past guests. I'm with film director Melissa Davey, who was on the show back in September of 2018. It's hard to believe it was that long ago. Um, So, Melissa, tell us what you're working on. Well, Sue, it's good to be back. It's good to hear your voice. And uh, since September 2018, I completed my film, Beyond 60 Project, and we did a year on the road throughout the United States and Canada at film festivals, um, screening the film. Uh, with It was a great success. It was a, a wonderful experience and far uh, exceeded my expectations. And the awards came in and we were happy about it and we were getting all ready to start doing some private screenings around New York City and Philadelphia and DC and then COVID hit. So like you, I'm sure, and and all the listeners that put a crank in things and uh, it slowed things down for me, but it gave me a chance to pivot just a little bit and start looking at distribution options. Uh, So I have spent the last few months uh, working with the legal team to uh, take a look at all of the different options for distribution. Ended up uh, hiring or going on with an agent in uh, L.A., and they are um, called Rolling Pictures, and they are the agent for the film taking out to distribution. And just yesterday, we received our first offer. So the film went with the agent to the American Film Festival um, a month ago, and we have our first offer, and we are scrambling. Um, as, as I speak, as I sit here, I'm getting ready for just another call to get ready to do all the deliverable lists that need to be done in order to prep the film to be given over to the distributor. So with fingers crossed, that will be happening um, in the next few weeks. And if it all goes well, it means that the film will be available for screening on different platforms, probably as early as April. So that's what I've been up to. Well, that's awesome because I know how hard and how long you've been working on this film. So I'm so excited to hear it'll be available to the masses. Yes. Congratulations, Melissa. And thanks for stopping by. Have a wonderful holiday. Thank you. You too, Sue. Take care. This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. We've never experienced a year like 2020. A deadly pandemic, political division, social unrest, natural disasters. Yet, we're still here, and now so are the holidays. Hi, I'm John Doherty. May this holiday season bring you joy and peace. May 2021 be a better year for all of us. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy and Healthy New Year. 
Happy holidays from IBEW Local 98. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children who want change. Be inspired by women from across the globe who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Now, here's the owner, founder, and host of Women to Watch, Sue Rocco. Good evening, and thanks again for joining us tonight. My name is Sue Rocco, and if you missed the first hour, I'm joined tonight by Katie Fallinger. Um, Katie is a local woman, by the way, former meteorologist on CBS, and now a public speaker, course and content creator, and the author of her first book, My Happy Place, How I DIY'd My Own Bliss. And Katie's story is is so inspirational um, for a number of reasons, but she she walked away from a very successful career when she recognized that it you know was not bringing her the joy and happiness that she desired um, and also wanted more time with her girls so um, she's giving us a lot of great advice on how to reflect and and look at our own lives and perhaps make those changes um, Katie one of the other things in your book that I think is really powerful is when you talked about um, not having expectations because it's something I learned in my own life. And I I think people don't really believe that they can live like that. So in other words, if you kind of are just going through the flow of life and you don't carry expectations every day, all day long, you'll really never be disappointed. So yeah, describe what that means to you. How do you do that? I think that when you know the chapter you're referring to, it's called Expect Nothing, which yes. sounds yes. incredibly pessimistic. <laughs> well, and, but and impossible, right? Impossible but it's not. as well. Yeah. Yes. But you're at, you've, you've hit the nail on the head with that. You know, I for so long suffered from what I call care too much syndrome, which pretty much <laughs> means that I just I care too much about the outcome of a project at work or even the outcome of a forecast. And um, it and it started to drain me (laughs) because when you care so, so much about how anybody else is going to react to you or work with you or respond, you just end up so often, unfortunately, getting disappointed by it. And when you don't go into a situation feeling that expectation of it's got to go right or this isn't going to be good at all, you, you just set yourself up to be disappointed all over again. So mm-hmm. it's different from hope. You know, hope, I think, is important, but you can't expect it. And you certainly have to work for things that you want. That that really is the, the basis of uh, of that chapter. Yeah, I, I think there's a big difference between expectations and hope. So expectations is is just that constant wanting things to go the way you want them to go. And that's that's unrealistic. So mm-hmm. you're just continually disappointed. And hope is just this knowing, just somehow knowing that things will get better and be OK. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things you, you shared openly, I was laughing when I read this, you said my snowflake tendencies are laughable. <laughs> 
<laughs> so tell I us how, yeah, what, what's that about and how are you better today? How are you doing with that? You know, there's a lot of layers to that onion, Sue. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and yes, it's snowing I, today, so I love the, um, I love the right. reference. Yeah. Very, very apropos for the situation. Um, yeah, I'm very sensitive. I'm a classic cancer crab. I'm very moody. I'm very emotional. When I feel, I feel big, whether it's happy, sad, angry, or anything else. And so my emotions very often and regrettably tend to get the better of me, and I will flip out <laughs> over <laughs> the most uh, inconsequential uh, stuff. So I've been known to do that, um, and I share a very ridiculous story of one instance of that one of many in the book about a pure one set of drawers so if you're so inclined <laughs> <laughs> read that. um but yeah it's um it's it's one of again one of those things about myself that i'm not particularly happy uh, with that i'm not proud of but i've recognized it and so now mm. i can work on it right. and i think so so much of being able to work on those what i'll just put in air quotes faults uh, has to do with me being able to now live a life that brings me joy because I don't have I don't have to worry about the fact that I'm not getting enough sleep or taking care of myself or eating right that I you know I don't feel the kind of insecurities or stress or guilt that used to weigh me down all the time and when I've been able to lift those out of the equation it's so much easier to take things a lot more in stride and not flip out over the dumbest stuff. Right. <laughs> so, and, yeah. Yeah. And don't you think that some, you know, some things are just genuinely innate in us. And mm -hmm. so when you are exploring and learning and trying to be better, um, you will not have a perfect day and everything will not be perfect, but you'll recognize it and be able to kind of stop yourself in those moments where before, you know, um, you would become emotional, not even understand that, that whatever it was that was getting you upset is just not that important. Would absolutely you say that's true? true? Yeah. That I we were able absolutely. to, absolutely. I think that's, yeah. A, I, yeah. I'm ahead. sorry. I'm keep... <laughs> no, you go. I, I do think that that is 100% accurate. Um, once again, knowing is so much of the battle here. Once you can understand yes. these things about yourself, you can then begin to work on them. But unless you know, yep. you can't change anything. And you may right. just end up walking through days where you don't understand why you're having a bad day, but you are and you can't turn it off. Once you right. have that knowledge, it, it's, you know, I, I love cliches because they're so true so often and knowledge really is power here. If you understand yes. that these kinds of things about yourself, your idiosyncrasies, just how you are as a human, there's nothing wrong with that. But if it's something you want to fix, at least you know now that it's something you want to fix and you can then start the work to fix it. Right. I'm talking to Katie Failinger this evening, former meteorologist for CBS, uh, and now a speaker and an author um, and a DIY junkie. <laughs> um, before, yeah, before we talk about that, I want to talk about your girls. And you're a mom. You have mm -hmm. twin girls. Um, motherhood is is a big deal. And, and I, I wanted to ask you, you know, what is it that you hope for them as they're growing and trying to determine for themselves what brings them joy? Uh, and what have you question. recognized in them? Yeah. Yeah. I love that question. And I'll start by saying that every mom out there 
completely understands and appreciates that being a parent is the most rewarding and the most difficult job that I think any of us can ever have. Um, I've learned so much about myself becoming a mom um, and understanding and looking at the world in a different way. When I began this journey, though, to leave a job in TV, I was worried about what kind of a lesson um, that would teach my girls. Mm. Uh, I was I really was concerned that, my gosh, when they grow up, they'll say, oh, mommy used to be on TV. Now she doesn't. And and it really worried me (laughs) for some reason that they would be disappointed in that decision. I no longer feel that way. Um, I I think that they'll, I'm hoping that they'll look at me and see someone who made that leap of faith to actualize the happiest existence for themselves and that in turn, it also meant good things for them. But what I want my girls really to understand is the importance of being our authentic selves. You know, I want them to understand that popular opinion of what's expected doesn't have to match up to what they want out of this life. My regrets are very few, but I definitely wish that I would have presented the truest version of myself to the world from an early age, because I just let too many other people influence who I became. And I altered a lot about myself to fall in line with what was mainstream or what other people expected out of me. And I want them to feel how liberating the freedom is that comes with simply being yourself. Yes. Yes. Um, You know, I just was thinking as you were talking about that, do you think that one of the reasons that you did struggle with with wanting to please others and and paying attention so much to what others were saying you should be doing and... um, was because when you were little and your mom was struggling, you wanted to make things easy for her. That's highly possible. I've never thought about it that that, uh, deeply before. Um, I do know that growing up in an environment like that made me want to fit in a lot. Another story that I actually tell in the book is about when I was in fourth and fifth grade, I was accepted to the gifted program. And that meant that I had to be bused with a handful of other kids from the low income section of Allentown to the more affluent section of Allentown and go to a school out there. And I, I'm not sure how the other kids felt, but I felt like I was completely out of place. I made some friends. Um, I had a very small group of very close friends, but I really felt like I just didn't belong there. Mm. Um, The socioeconomic impacts from that, you know, no one really could have expected that to come. Like the, the, from the scholarly standpoint, it was a really great opportunity for me to be in that program. But from that social side of things, it was just all these unintended consequences of feeling less than. And so that probably does play a role in why I developed that internal need to want everybody else to be happy ahead of me. Um, Yeah, I've never really thought about it that way, but I I think that that's probably true. Right. I think, you know, when our kids are always um, watching us, right, and um, Mm -hmm. they, they learn so much from uh, how we behave, um, not necessarily, because they're not always listening to what we're saying. <laughs> they're watching what we're doing, right? I know that. <laughs> um, but I think what you did was, you know, by leaving, and you're 
you totally turned that around. It's not uh, mom quit something or failed something. It's never that. What I say to my kids is you were eliminating what was not working. And mm-hmm. so that's the right thing to do. Try something else. doesn't matter if you try a hundred times, um, as long as you're trying. And I Absolutely. would imagine, yeah, that your girls are, they're seeing a different side of you now that's not tired and, you know, right. stressed all the time. Have they, have they I, verbalized that to you? They, so my, my baby A, Parker, <laughs> she's older by one single minute. She definitely <laughs> has, has mentioned things I, I, can't remember exactly how she may have put it in the past, but she said things like mommy doesn't have to go to work anymore. Uh, you know, things like that, where I've tried to explain to her, well, actually, Parker, I'm still working, but I don't have to go to a place that I don't want to go anymore um, or wake up or in, in the middle, middle of the of night. The night. Oh, exactly. gosh. Yeah. That must so, have been so hard. Yeah. Oh, it was ridiculously difficult. <laughs> I <laughs> you bet. never get used to that. Right. Um, so, yeah, she has definitely noticed my other Caden, she's a little bit more passive, but I, I do think that they notice and understand that something is drastically different in mommy and their ability to spend more time with me. Wow, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Um, listen, we're going to go into our last break. I'm speaking with Katie Failinger, former meteorologist uh, for CBS and now an author of My Happy Place, How I DIY'd My Own Bliss. Um, when we come back, I want to talk to you about, you know, what, what your day-to-day is, what you're doing and how you're managing with, with the pandemic. Stay with us for our watch team and we'll be right back. Happy holidays from me, Nicole Hitner, your Legal Watch contributor. I wish all of the Women to Watch listeners peace and growth in the new year. May you reach new heights in our new normal and embrace the blessings around you. From my whole family to yours, have a very Merry Christmas and an inspirational new year. Now, the Women to Watch Marketing Watch. Hi, everyone. I'm Lynn Falconio, Chief Marketing Officer of Publicis Health for Women to Watch Marketing Watch. Last week, we talked about the hard-hit travel and hospitality sectors and how we're starting to see slight rebounds in leisure travel, especially to domestic destinations where sun or snow are plentiful and there's ample space to socially distance. Beyond launching new routes, airlines also are seeking to increase passenger confidence through innovative new partnerships with trusted household brands like Lysol, Clorox, and Purell, as well as trusted hospital systems like the Mayo and Cleveland Clinics. Three major carriers have all launched campaigns to communicate safety measures, Delta's Care Standards, American's Clean Commitment, and United's Clean Plus are great examples. While price and convenience continue to weigh heavily into decision-making when it comes to travel, health and safety has become a top priority. Subsequently, how brands adjust to account for COVID-19 and how they communicate those changes will have a direct impact on the recovery of the industry. For example, the Delta Care standard brings telemedicine to the gate for passengers who are unable to wear masks, and each passenger is empowered with their own Lysol wipe and hand sanitizing packet upon boarding. We're also seeing travel brands pull best practices from my industry healthcare marketing, producing high quality content and using scientific storytelling to address concerns like why airplane cabin air is safe to breathe. In an era when every decision is a health decision, health and safety is both essential to fighting the pandemic and also a competitive advantage for brands. 
The ultimate deliverable of marketing is confidence. And right now, travel brands can provide that by listening to science, partnering with medical experts and trusted household names, and providing information to make an informed decision on how to travel. For Women to Watch Marketing Watch, I'm Lynn Falconio. Now, the Women to Watch Health Watch. For Health Watch, I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Tis the season to be jolly. From the big turkey dinner on Thanksgiving to the brunch that opens the new year. This morning on Your Radio Doctor, we talked about tips for safe eating and drinking during the holidays. Our guest, Emily Rubin, registered dietitian and director of clinical dietetics for Jefferson GI. You can hear the whole show on yourradiodoctor.net. One of the topics we covered was safe handling of holiday food. So let's talk turkey. The Center for Disease Control offers great guidelines. Thaw your turkey in the refrigerator in a container or a sealed bag in a sink of cold water. Change the water every 30 minutes. Never thaw by leaving it on the counter. Room temp for greater than two hours is unsafe. Wash your hands with soap for 20 seconds before and after handling. Do not wash raw turkey or chicken. The juices can contaminate the counter, sink, or other foods. And use a separate cutting board. Cook stuffing in a separate dish. Check for 165 degrees in the center of the stuffing and the deep part of the bird, breast, thigh, or wing, and do not depend on the pop-up thermometer. Roasts, chops, fresh ham should rest for three minutes after removing them from the oven or grill because it continues to heat and cook. Leftovers, yum. Bacteria grow in cooked food sitting at room temp, most often in November and December. So refrigerate at 40 degrees or colder as soon as possible or within two hours of preparation and reheat all leftovers to 165 degrees before serving. Do not eat raw dough or cookie batter, cake, pie, pizza. Most people know that raw eggs and batter can lead to salmonella food poisoning, but uncooked flour can also be an issue. E. coli, a bacteria that can cause very serious illness, especially in young children. So if you decide to make edible cookie dough, be sure you find a recipe that includes directions for heat treating the flour before you use it. And wash your hands before, during, and after preparing food, before you eat, and definitely after the bathroom. Divas, be careful. Santa's too busy to get sick from your cookies. Merry Christmas. You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. So, Katie, I'm, I'm so curious now what you're um, actually doing every day. You know, what does a day <laughs> in the life of Katie Fallinger look like? Um, must be completely different from your time on, on television. Um, but yeah, what do you, how do you spend the day and how are you managing it with, uh, with the pandemic? Okay. So there's a, there's so much things, so many things to unpack with that one, because I'm stoking so many different fires, which is a wonderful thing. And I'm so ridiculously busy and I'd actually say I'm more busy than I ever used to be, but I'm happy now. So it really just Good. makes a difference. Yeah. 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 But I get to sleep it. Well, by sleeping in, I mean, 6am at the latest. But, um, I'm Just getting, so the listeners know, what time did you, you used to get up at two or the, three? The latest, the latest I could get away with was 2.45. So wow. that meant oh that gosh. I would have had to have a lunch packed and my coffee cup out and my outfit picked and all my, uh, you know, beauty products sitting out on the sink. Like all of these things, all these decisions had to be made in order for me to wake up at that time. Otherwise, wow. I'd have to wake up earlier. <laughs> I, I never could have done it. I'm telling you right now, I need yeah. eight hours. <laughs> Yeah, really it do. really, really was tough. And the more I look back on it now and how different my life is today with having just energy to do all of these different things, um, it, it really was 
so unbelievably draining on my mental and my physical health. So I, I that's just such a it's a blessing to be able to be in that place now. Right. Um, right. But once I wake up, you know, I'm working on a lot of different things. Uh, like you said, I've been you know I worked on a book. I finished that. That became a number one new release on Amazon. Uh, finished that over the summer. I have plans to eventually write at least one more book, hopefully more. But right now, I'm working on creating a co- a course for beginner and virgining video content creators. So if you own a small business, if you want to start a YouTube channel, if you want to make videos for your nonprofit group, whatever it may be, but you don't have the budget to buy or get help from a very expensive production crew, this will show you exactly how to create a video from point A to Z. So I'm working on that now. It's about uh, halfway done, which I'm thrilled about because the writing is the difficult part. And then I'm also doing some freelancing with an association in Washington, D.C. to help them develop some video content as well as doing some public speaking. And I had my very first keynote back in September, and it was all about self-care and the importance of mindset. So there's a lot going on, and each day looks pretty much different. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, since I am working on so many different things all at once and I am a one woman crew at the moment, uh, I've got a lot on my plate, but again, it's just so fulfilling to be able to work on the projects I choose and, right. um, and, and do exactly what it is that I really would like to do. Right. Um, and I think, gosh, we're, we're lucky to be busy and working during this time. I, I yes. think all, if if we didn't have something to do, I I just think you just sit with the worry of what's going mm-hmm. on. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and COVID, everything that's happened with this pandemic, for me, you know, everybody's got a COVID story. We all, Correct. We've all yeah. literally, we've all been impacted somehow by it. Um, for me, that story was one of reflection, though. I, I'm so lucky to not have had to deal with any loss or major struggle there. Um, but COVID absolutely proved that life is still going to be frustrating and overwhelming and sometimes really, really scary. But for me, anyway, it, what it proved was that despite our lives being completely upended, that there are still places to find joy. And for me, that really went back to my mindset that if I could feel content with the choices that I made, that I could handle anything that this crazy world would throw at me. Right. Katie, if I asked you, who is someone in your life who believed in you? How would you answer that? There are a couple of people that immediately come to mind, but number one is my husband. Absolutely. Number one, he has he has been the truest version of a partner that I could ever define. He's been my number one shoulder to lean on. He has been nothing but supportive. He has been um, a cheerleader and a champion for everything that I've wanted to do. And there were times you know, when I first was bringing up this idea of, hey, what if I left my job? Right. <laughs> I How did, really <laughs> How did he respond? Yeah, I was scared to tell him because I think I was I was afraid of how he'd react from a, you know, I'm not really sure what I thought, to be honest. I was just afraid. Well, <laughs> because maybe that he would a, think it was a mistake. Maybe yeah, yeah, right, either, yeah, that he would just that that or that there would be disappointment or just confusion um, or even fear because making a move like that would mean such drastic shifts in our own lives and it did 
But when I brought it up to him, he was nothing but supportive. And I, I fully appreciate how lucky I am to have a true partner in my spouse. Um, and I think that, that anybody who is contemplating a decision like this, it's so important that you surround yourself with people who uplift, appreciate, and love you. Yes. You know, if you don't have that in your, in your partner, your closest friends and family, there are groups in whatever aspired space that you have that you can connect with and learn. Um, but I would say you have to find that positive, inspiring content and, and messaging to be able to pull something like this off. And I, I'm so lucky and grateful that I had that in Steve. You know, in, in speaking about that, is there, other than your husband, um, mm-hmm. is there someone that you follow for inspiration, um, you know, follow another speaker or an author, mm-hmm. someone, because we all, you know, uh, are looking for ways to be inspired today. And fortunately, with technology, we have access to so many yes. incredible people. Is there someone in particular you follow? There are a couple of people. The the one that comes immediately to mind is Sarah Blakely. She is the CEO oh, and I founder love her. of Spanx. Yes, she's yes. amazing. She's so she positive. Oh, uh, so positive and so yeah. empowering and inspiring yep. um, and philanthropic and generous. She's just, she's got it all going on. <laughs> she's funny she's just, and yeah. Yes. Yeah. One of these people that so truly inspires me because she too started with just an idea and nothing else. And she was able to build this huge, huge empire um, and do so just with her own her own wit and her own smarts. And she figured it out for herself. And she's just amazing. And she actually makes an appearance in my book, too, because there was one day I, I needed to see it and it showed up in my feed. And I happened to see a, a post from her. She had this campaign, or she still does, called Monday Mugshot. And she'll take a mug that's got some sort of catchy phrase on it oh, and yes. take a selfie I've with seen it. it. Yeah. And the day that I came across this this whole campaign for the very first time, the mugshot that day was Don't Quit Your Daydream. And I mm. want to say it was the summer before I left. And I saw it when I needed to see it because <laughs> I think just – at the very at that point, I was thinking about quitting my day job. It just was so poignant at the time, and understanding that I had this what seemed like a crazy daydream to be just totally happy. It didn't have to be just this daydream anymore. There was a way to achieve it, and I was on the path at that point, and it just really fueled the fire that I was tending in my gut at the time to to continue forward and make it happen. The other woman I would say is Rachel Hollis. Yes. I read her book, Girls Stop Apologizing, mm. or I should say I listened to it. It was an audiobook, but I listened to it in the middle of the night driving to work uh, as I drove to work in the morning. And her messaging was so relatable and inspirational and it was exactly what I needed to hear as I was contemplating this difficult decision. Um, I had already made a decision in my head that I knew I was going to do something about my circumstances, but having that motivational drive to fuel you is so valuable and critical, I'd say, to actually getting it done. You know, it, it's so exciting this time in history um, for women. And I, I just, 
you know, how do you, what is your perspective on um, kind of, I, I guess my first question is, why do you think we are in this time in history where women are stepping out, starting their own ventures, their own businesses, landing um, on boards and in C-suites? What, what do you think mm-hmm. it is about this time? For one thing, I think everything is so much more accessible. And we sort of touched on that a moment ago that you're able to see what other women are doing and achieving and it gets that snowball effect going you know where if you see there's something so powerful and what i love about your show is there's something so powerful in seeing somebody else do it and having that allow you to think that i can do that too and it creates that opportunity in your own mind to get past that mindset that's blocking you from taking any steps to to make these things happen for yourself. And when you see other people doing it, you feel like you can, and then you'll actually take action to do it. But part another part of it is I think people are just starting to wake up finally and understand that women are so much more capable than maybe was ever thought to be. Um, we have so much value to bring. Um, and I, I think it's, again, just sort of that snowball effect where we see others doing it. We know that we can do it ourselves. It develops our confidence to, to have the guts to do it ourselves. And um, it's a beautiful thing to see because we sure earned it and deserve it too. You know what? And equally, <clears throat> I think what you've done by putting this book out um, and and one of the, the goals for me in, in my work is always to have women like you who other women look to um, and have an image of to really speak m- more honestly and vulnerably about their life because mm-hmm. none of us are without challenges. And so I yeah. think that's what allows other women to, to just take a chance when they realize that, that someone like you, uh, it didn't just all come easy to you. Yeah, I appreciate that because that, that was something I was really nervous and scared about putting the story out there was what are people going to think when they, when they <laughs> see how, how honest I'm being. Um, so thank you for that. And I really hope that my book will be comforting and relatable and inspiring. Um, you know, my story is so far from unique. I am not alone. But it's still so rare that women talk about the struggle to do it all and be perfect in all these roles we fill, you know, as moms and partners and professionals and friends. And I would really want other women to know that they're just not alone in this. And more importantly, the idea of creating and curating your happiest existence, it's not a pipe dream. That's why I wrote the book, uh, not just as a memoir, but as a how-to hybrid. So as I figured out these practical, actionable steps that I could take to feel more content, I want anyone who reads my book to be entertained, but to then be able to apply what they've read to their own lives once they put the book down. Right. You know what? I have no doubt. If nothing else, it's going to give readers that nudge to kind of reflect and get to know themselves better. And that's always the first step. So congratulations on the book and and thank you so much for taking time out of your busy, busy day to be with (laughs) us and and, uh, share your story. I wish you continued success. Such a pleasure, Sue. Thank you so much for having me. Sleigh bells ring, snow is glistening, so be sure that you're listening. 
the women to watch your radio doc on WPHT. Oh yeah, 1210 PHT. Happy holidays from Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Ho, ho, ho. Now, the women to watch. Tech Watch. Hi. I'm Mary Manso from Pathways Consulting Group. Early in my career in the 90s, I was introduced to my first role in a New Jersey-based technology company. I was brought in as the manager of all things operational as employee number six. I was one of two women in the office when I started, and as the company grew, I became very aware of how few women I encountered in the tech industry, both in the company and our customers. After 10 years, we reached our goal of $100 million in annual revenue. I had a seat on the leadership team and felt good about my contributions and thought it was time to discuss career path with my boss. His response was that unless I wanted his job, there was none. This response made me so angry, and I quickly opened my eyes. He didn't care what I wanted to do or what my goals and aspirations were, and I realized that if I wanted to advance and take my talents to the next level, I'd have to get out of my own way and reach the level of confidence needed to achieve what I wanted in a male-dominated industry. What I discovered was that all those years, I subconsciously allowed myself to be intimidated by the men around me, and if I wanted to be successful, I had to stop looking at men as men and women as women and focus more on carrying myself with the level of confidence needed to be a leader and to adjust the way I would deliver my message regardless of the audience. I realized that I needed to focus on my role and not the gender in the room. The good news is that the gender gap is closing in the tech industry because of the stories of the past and the lessons that have been learned. I think it's important to share our experiences to help young girls shape their dreams and future, whether it's in the tech industry or something else. What's your story? Email me at mary at pathwayscg.com. Introducing Pathways Consulting Group, a company that will align your IT needs with your business goals. Pathways is a full-service ServiceNow partner. What does that mean? It's simple. Pathways will collaborate and design, develop, and deploy solutions for your company today that will define tomorrow. Pathways will provide world-class enterprise service management solutions. Pathways Consulting Group. They listen. They care. They execute. Go to PathwaysCG.com. That's PathwaysCG.com. Hi, Sue Rocco here, host of Women to Watch. Are you a fan of the show? If so, be sure to sign up for our podcast at womentowatch.net so you never miss a show and can listen on your own time. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. Now, Women on the Fly. Hi, Sue Rocco here with Katie Fallinger for our Rapid Fire segment. Katie, tell me how you start your day. Always with a cup of coffee. That is the number one thing. What is your mantra for stressful moments? Oh, (laughs) serenity now. (laughs) Mm, That's a good one. Are you a planner or are you more spontaneous? Complete planner. I have, I think, 12 different lists in my Evernote app right now as we speak. Where are you typically when inspiration strikes? Hmm. I'm often driving, oddly enough. Mm. A place you've traveled to you'd like to go back? Jamaica, 100%. It's where I got married. How do you unwind? Mm, I love to read. I always read right before I fall asleep at night. What is your definition of feminism? Mm, Empowerment would be the one word I'd use. 
What are three words that describe you? Hmm. <laughs> Emotional. Um, <laughs> strong and passionate. Other than your own book, what's a book you'd recommend to our listeners? Ooh, so, so many. Um, I'm going to say Girls Stop Apologizing by Rachel Hollis. It's a great one. I, I read it myself. Last yeah. question. How do you end your day? Love, as I said, to fall asleep with a good book. Um, and more than anything, before I go upstairs to bed, I love to sit with my family, whether that's watching TV, reading stories with my girls, or just sort of winding down and uh, finding out how their day was and um, spending quality time with them. Excellent. Thanks, Katie. Thank you so much. Coming up next is our Coach's Corner podcast, which is a shorter version of our weekly show and can be heard wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm BJ Gray with this week's Coach's Corner. You can have a goal to lose 10 pounds, but what is the result you really want? With stating a result, you have so many more options to accomplish it. Most of, it, most of us would say, I want to lose 10 pounds. Okay, I need to eat less or exercise more. But if you say the result is I want a healthy body, well, that could look a lot different. There could be more combinations to how to get there. And for me, I use a two-step process to achieve my goals. And the first is I set an intentional mindset. And the second is I use a formula to create an action plan for all the steps needed. Remember, all results are achieved by taking action. And our actions come from how we feel. And our feelings come from our thoughts. I spoke about the mindset tool called the model a few episodes ago and how I use the model for every situation in my life, including creating my intentional mindset. I look at how I feel now versus how I'll feel if I achieve that result. And from there, I determine the thought I'll need to create that feeling. It's magic once you learn it. For this conversation, when I set a goal, it goes in the R line for result and I work backwards to fill out the model. Okay, the second step is coming up with the action plan strategy. I take a piece of paper out and I brainstorm all the things that need to happen. Write down everything and don't worry about the order. And next to each thing that you put on the sheet of paper, write the obstacle that will be in the way of getting that done. And next to each obstacle, write out the steps that it'll take to get past that obstacle. Those steps are your action plan. You can now figure out the right order of your action plan and start committing to getting three of them done each week. This, take, this takes out all the overwhelm and the chance of dropping your New Year's resolution by March. And for the month of December and January, I'll be offering power hour coaching sessions with new clients to tackle this, this two-step strategy that's needed to achieve their result for 2021. Sign up for a consultation at bjgray.com. Thanks for listening to this edition of Coach's Corner. Connect with me directly on LinkedIn or at bjgray.com. Until next time, I'm BJ from Coach's Corner. That is it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch. Thank you so much to my watch team and sponsors. And stay tuned for my interview next week with Heather Kernahan, the CEO of Hotwire for North America. Have a great week, everyone, and enjoy the snow.
Thanks for listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Kraus at 267-261-3428. Announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHD or its management. Today's program has been pre recorded. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.